Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. All right, Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 11, or you can go ahead and power on your Bible if you're that kind of uh, digital person there. Uh, Go ahead, uh, John chapter 11, and we'll start over in verse 1. And uh, there was a song that just kind of rose up in my spirit as we were singing Graves into Gardens. It's a song that we do uh, fairly often called Never Lost. No, never, you've never lost a battle. And uh, there's a phrase in there uh, that really what I want to touch on today, and it goes like this. It says, he is still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus. And uh, my prayer for us today is that we realize no matter what situations or circumstance you may be in, God is your ever-present help in your time of need. And I'm not just saying that he's on a throne somewhere in the sky. No, he is present with you in the fire, walking this thing out with you. And that's really my prayer today is that we can realize that he is still God and he's able. And what I've learned uh, over my years of ministry is that everyone in this room, everyone online at airport campus, every one of us has a Lazarus. Every one of us has something that we have buried, whether it's our disappointment, our dysfunction, Uh, our marital issues, our financial instability, whatever it is, we have a Lazarus. The things that people don't even know about you that you have hidden off from the world. And every one of us has that, but we also have a God who is more than able. Can I get an amen, somebody? John chapter 11, verse one. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it now. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, everything up until this point in Scripture makes total sense to me. Uh, Jesus was very good friends with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Lazarus in Hebrew actually means the one who God helps. And so that gives me faith today that, man, he's going to show up and he's going to help Lazarus and help Mary and Martha today. And uh, I just need to take a poll in the room today. Have you ever had God help you out of a mess before in your life. Anybody just by show of hands today, amen. And uh, he, he is the God who helps. That's what Lazarus' name means. And so then you have Martha, on the other hand, who made the mortgage payment, you know, and then Mary, she was an incredible worshiper of Jesus. And uh, I think Jesus would show up at their house a lot on his ministry travels because uh, I don't know if you know it or not. It's really in the defined text here in the scripture, but Martha would make these incredible lemon pepper wings. Come on, somebody. And uh, I, I didn't know if you guys knew it or not, but Jesus is a fan of fried chicken. Can I get an amen? 
uh, you guys thought the Baptists started that with dinner on the grounds. No, Jesus started that. He loves fried chicken. And I think that gives me hope today that calories don't count on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. Yeah, very good. And so he would go and visit Martha and Mary and Lazarus to often be refreshed in his time and his ministry travels. And so what happens is Jesus is off ministering with his disciples and Martha uh, realizes that Lazarus is becoming sick and he's becoming uh, sicker and sicker. And so now their faith in God is dwindling down to merely nothing. And so they begin to write this incredible message that they were going to have a messenger send out to Jesus. And so I can just picture Mary and Martha writing this message and they would say, uh, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. No, no, no. Let's delete that. The one you love is sick. Because we know that if we can just tweet it right, if we can put it on Facebook for everybody to see, then surely he's going to come right on time. And so at this point, everything makes sense to me in the scripture. But I'm going to bring you to the next verse that really just kind of threw me for a loop. Because in the natural, it doesn't make sense at all. And it's something that I want us to really camp out on here today and I feel like maybe some of us in the room, we're in a place in our life that just doesn't make sense. That we have been begging and pleading God for some clarity, but it has not come or arrived just yet. So in verse uh, six, he says, uh, he really loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And that's really what I want us to talk about for a few moments today is that if there was a different word other than so, it would have made all the sense that he would remain where he was. You know, if they would have put a but in there, like he loved Mary and Martha, but he stayed where he was two days, uh, that would give me hope to know, man, he's ministering, he's, he's busy doing all the Jesus stuff that he would do, but that word so comes into f the fold and it really just throws me for a loop that he loved him so much that so he stayed where he was for two days. And I'm going to title this message today called The Lazarus Effect. The Lazarus Effect. Come on, touch your neighbor and say The Lazarus Effect. And you can slap the one that you didn't choose because they're probably falling asleep right now. So just tell them The Lazarus. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Spoiler alert, uh, Lazarus dies, and then Jesus comes and resurrects him in John chapter 11. I didn't want to leave you on a cliffhanger too long here today as we kind of dive through this. But you ever think about it, though, everybody in this room has a love language. And uh, we do this study in our small groups here at Pathway called The Five Love Languages uh, by Gary Chapman. It's an incredible book. I encourage all couples to go and read that. And uh, it's a great way. They've got a test online that you can take to really find out who, who you are and also what your spouse thinks. And it really just kind of gives you a new perspective on how to treat your spouse. And so my wife, Danielle, and I, we took this. And her top two of her five love languages is quality time and physical touch. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right. In the room. And uh, I thank God that it's not acts of service or gifts or anything. She doesn't need anything bougie. She just needs some physical touch, some good loving. Come on, somebody. That's some good stuff right there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
But what I've found all through scripture is that God has a love language as well. And I believe his love language is trust. He loves when you trust him. He loves that uh, you come and you sing and you worship and you guys sounded amazing by the way today, but I think even more he loves when you trust him. Uh, He loves that uh, you wear a cross around your neck and you wear a pathway t-shirt and uh, all the different merch that we have and all this stuff and you're proud about it too. You're flashing it in front of everybody. He loves that, but I think even more, he loves when you trust him. He loves that even in the midst of painful scenarios and situations that you're going through, that you trust him. His love language is trust and he loves to be trusted. And that's so hard for us because we equate love with comfort, but God equates love with trust. And if we miss out on the scriptures, if we don't take time to really study the scriptures, we can confuse ourselves and conflate the scriptures to think that his love is an actual action or an event that takes place rather than realizing that love is the actual essence and the person of who God is in our life. My first job that I had was uh, movie gallery. I don't know if you guys ever remember that, blockbuster movie gallery, all that kind of stuff. And I started at this job when I was 16. And uh, can somebody say free rentals? Come on, somebody. I just, that was why I started the job in the first place. And then I found out about this amazing blessing from heaven called cookie dough bites. Come on, man. That is where the manna from heaven is right there. And so I would meet all kind of different people and uh, as I just kind of elevated in that job, I got more responsibility. I got, uh, you know, keys to open up the, the uh, store and all these different things, opening and closing. Man, I was a big dog on campus. I felt good, you know. And then my mom, she was like, well, you're 16, you're driving, you got a job. I'm going to buy you a Nokia brick phone. Can, I, can anybody testify to the Nokia brick phone? And so when I would get bored, I had some downtime, I would play that game Snake. And uh, that was kind of my, my go-to thing. But there was a movie that came out called The Lazarus Effect uh, that came out in 2015 and it was about these doctors, a husband and a wife, and they created this serum that they can implant into dead people and it would raise them from the dead. Uh, I would not recommend it. It was a scary movie. I don't do scary movies and neither does a Parker household. We don't do that. But uh, I'm just telling you about it. That's where I kind of got the punchline for the title here today. But what I would think that would be probably one of the most difficult jobs would be a PR guy for Jesus. That'd be a hard job. Well, he showed up late, but, and then you got to throw a press conference in front of everybody and try to organize and identify on the why and why he showed up late. And you're trying to get all your thoughts together and Jesus would just start doing things and really wouldn't give any explanation And he would start uh, explaining all this stuff that would just go over your head. So then you got to explain to everybody what happened. Uh, That'd be a hard job for me. And it's an interesting construct because the more I read about scripture, the more I identify about God, God, I realize the difference between God's job and our job. God's job is outcome. Your job is process. God's job is outcome. Your job is process. And The longer you think that you can control the outcomes in your life, the more frustrated you're going to live your life of faith. And so here we have Lazarus happening in Mary's life and in Martha's life, and it's not the outcome that they had wanted. 
And so they write this note to Jesus thinking that they can control and manipulate him to come and be with them. Now I know it's probably all in good intention, but here's the thing, here's a newsflash for you. God will not be manipulated. God is God all by himself. He doesn't need my help or your help. And I'm quite frankly glad about that because uh, when I tried to create planets in a seventh grade science project, it didn't work out so well for me, you know. I blew up the styrofoam, it didn't do it well, you know. So, but he creates planets and does things all by himself. But faith is not a means of manipulation. Faith is the patience with the mystery. God is mysterious. There's a lot of things that he does that will not reveal. And what I know in my years of ministry that I've done this is that everyone in this room, everyone over at airport and online, everyone has a Lazarus. Every one of us has a Lazarus. If God really loved me, he would. If God really saw me, he would. If God was really strong like we read and like we preach about all the time, then he would prevent this from happening. If God really had all the power, then he would have. And so what happens is we begin to confuse God's love with our circumstantial evidence that we never really get to the foundational core that the love of God is not always proven by the way I feel his presence in my life, but the love of God is proven by the way I deal with his perceived absence in my life. If God never answered another prayer for your life, would you still praise him the way that you do on Sunday morning? If God never showed up one more time in your life, would you still call him the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? How do I deal with him not showing up or his perceived absence in my life? And that's really what Mary and Martha were trying to figure out. I'm like, God, we love God and God loves us. He's told us that many times. But where is he when I needed him? Where is he in my life? And I believe that Jesus left Martha on red. Like, you know, back in the day, you can't really send text messages at all. You know, there is no iMessage or little dot, dot, dot bubble or anything like that. And I could just imagine her sending a text message and it, it just said red at 9 o'clock a.m. But no response. Have you ever been left on red before? Husbands, you just need to be quiet just for a moment, all right? I just know if I send my red receipts to my wife, I'm getting a phone call probably within the next two minutes on why I didn't answer. But have you ever been left on red before? Have you ever felt like you've been waiting for God to do something in your life? I have a five-year-old son. His name is Abraham. We have two twin boys that are nine months, Toby and Benny, and uh, they keep us going, man. And uh, my five-year-old has got to this point in his life where uh, he loves to just throw Legos and blocks all over our living room furniture and in the floor. And so this one night, uh, very recently, very, very recently, I can show you the wound on my heel to show you, uh, but uh, it's in the middle of the night and he's in his, in his room, we're getting ready to go uh, to bed and I'm checking the doors, checking the lights, doing all the stuff, you know. And so I walk in there and all of a sudden, I feel this sharp pain stick through the bottom of my heel. And y'all, there was some kind of something that just rose up on the inside of me that really ain't made for church. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, you know, like you just really trying to hold it in. 
And I said, Abraham James Parker, come pick up these Legos right now. <laughs> you know what that joker said to me? You can wait just a minute. And he said it with some sass too. I know he got that from his mama, by the way. Like, and I said, boy, if you don't get your Fruit Loop chicken nugget looking head self over in here and pick up these Legos right now. I will show you the wrath of God right now in this living room. I ain't playing with you, boy. <laughs> but has God ever told you to wait just a moment? Especially when you have been experiencing so much pain that it gets all the way down in your core and God tells you, you can wait just a minute. Have you ever been in that place? Are you in that place right now? Are there moments in your life to where you say, hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Hey, Jesus, I'm depressed. Hey, Jesus, I'm lonely. Hey, Jesus, I have a big decision I have to make. Hey, Jesus, my marriage is on the rocks. Hey, Jesus, we have a negative balance in our bank account. Hey, Jesus, I, I really need your touch right now. You can wait just a minute. And Jesus left Martha on red. And what I love about the Bible so much is that it gives us the insight of hindsight. The insight of hindsight, which means I, I know why John wrote the book of John. Because at the end of it, he says, the reason I wrote all of this is that you may believe. That's in John 20, verse 31. And he organizes his gospel account. If you ever read the gospel of John, it reads a little bit differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic gospel. Sins means same and optic means see. They see the things the same. That's why they're very similar. But John's gospel is on a whole nother wavelength. John takes seven signs that Jesus did, seven statements that Jesus made, and then he organizes it, all of it together, not as if it's happening, but after the fact that it happened. And after he had the insight of hindsight, so he addresses who Jesus is with the knowledge of what he came for after he saw him do what all he came to do. The insight of hindsight is really awesome, but if we can admit today and be honest, we know that it's really hard to see the outcome with what we're living in right now. I would like to suggest to you, each and every one of you today, that Mary and Martha, who were mourning the loss of their brother in John chapter 11, did not read John chapter 12. Why is that? Well, John wrote the book of John in A.D. 85. Jesus died in A.D. 32. So this was way past their situation in their moment. But I just believe somebody in this room today, you're living your life in John chapter 11 to where you do not see yourself in John chapter 12. Here's what I mean. If you go to verse 2 in John chapter 11, there's something that happens in the parentheses that John strategically put in there, I believe, for you and I to see today that never put a period where God put a parentheses. It's not over. And so uh, what happens is some things in your life will not make sense until after the fact. So John chapter 11, and it says this, verse 2, 
Mary worshiped Jesus, and it says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. The only catch with this, that happened in John chapter 12. And so here's the revelation that I came to give you for that. If you do not see yourself worshiping in John chapter 12, you will not have the strength to wait in John chapter 11. I don't know who this is for, but God said this morning to each and every one of you today, I want you to see yourself in John chapter 12. Even though you don't have the evidence right now, I want you to see yourself that you've been delivered. I want you to see yourself that you have freedom. I want you to see yourself full of faith and hope rising in your life in John chapter 12. Even though chapter 11 doesn't make sense, it doesn't have all the answers, but see yourself in John chapter 12 today that there is more to the story and it's not over until he says it over. Does anybody in the room today feel like that today? Oh, I thank you that there's more to the story. I thank you that it doesn't end in John chapter 11, but there's more to the story. What I love about Jesus is that oftentimes he would have to break down his whole purpose with his disciples. And I'm really thankful for that because I'm a C plus Christian, you know? Like I didn't make honor roll sometimes. I'm like, Jesus, you just need to break this down a little bit more for me, please, you know? And uh, so what happens is you have the disciples and they begin to have this conversation with Jesus. And these were the people that had the most exposure to him, but they were often constantly confused about his motives. And so that would lead them to doubt the outcome. And so verse seven happens and Jesus says, let's go back to Judea. Uh, Lazarus is there. And they say, but rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews were tried to stone you and yet you're going back. And so Jesus answered in verse nine, very complex. He said, are there no, not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no life. That's a pretty complicated answer, Jesus. Are, are we going to see Lazarus or not? Like, are, are we going to watch something happen or not? You, you got to break it down a little bit deeper than that. And so in verse 11, he says, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And so in their mind, he, he was speaking symbolically that he had died, but for them, they thought he meant natural sleep. And so, I love the Bible so much. It said, his disciples replied, he said, Lord, if he sleeps, then he'll get better. And so Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus just to tell me sometimes, you know. Just tell me. He, he's dead. Make it plain, Jesus. And oftentimes, I just want to see things on the surface rather than at a deeper level. And I believe somebody in this room today online at airport, you have buried your Lazarus so deep in your life that you forgot about it, that you've learned to compromise with the event. You've learned to move on from the event, but you never process the disappointment. And so at any given time, it can swell up into your life and cause you to think things 
that are not from God. And I love Thomas's faith here in verse 15. You know, doubting Thomas. We're about to see him in all his glory here. He said, Jesus says, I'm going to wake him up. And I love Thomas's faith here. Jesus says, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, for everybody to hear, let us also go that we may die with him. That's some good faith right there, folks. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm going to wake him and resurrect him. And Thomas says, well, we're going to die. <laughs> That's just funny. I don't know why y'all are not laughing. That's just an incredible joke right there. High five, you know, that's just really, really awesome. But he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus enough to be late. And that it just messes with my mind so much because how can a perfect God be late on time? That makes no sense to me. But here's a key that I found that as I studied is Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, why is this so significant? Because Jewish audience for which John intended this gospel, they believed that within the first three days of death, the spirit could return to a man. And so scripture says that he arrived four days later. Why? Because he wanted to throw religion and superstition all out the window to say, you're looking for an event, but I am the resurrection and the life. When I show up, everything changes. When I show up, things can't stay the same. And I came to tell somebody today that when Jesus, when you allow him to come into those dark places in your life, everything has to change. Things cannot remain the same anymore. And once what was dead has now been brought back to life. And if you believe it in the room today say amen somebody so G Martha meets Jesus at the gate and she said Jesus they begin to have a conversation with each other if you had been here I wouldn't have to go through this burial process with Lazarus and I think it's funny Jesus that you came when I cooked but you were nowhere to be found when I cried. What's the problem? I thought you loved me, Jesus. Where were you? And I love how far God will come just as far as you will let him in. Scripture says that he arrived at the gate. Martha married, or, uh, uh, met him there, and that's where he stayed. Oftentimes, she would invite him in, spend time with him but he just stopped at the gate. Jesus will only come as far in your life as you allow him to. Those things that you wish nobody would see, have you been pushing him at a distance to where you have not found true healing today? So she shifts the perspective from Lazarus to Lord. You didn't do what I wanted you to do, but that didn't change my understanding of who you are. My focus is not on my disappointment, but the one who can deliver me from that disappointment. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the most godly prayer you can pray is the most honest prayer. Martha was honest with Jesus. Man, I could be just mad at you right now, but I know that you are Lord. I expected you to come with the message that I sent you, but you left me on red. You were nowhere to be found. If you would have, then we could have. But I love this next verse, 22. 
But I know that even now, and what I want somebody to know right now, and I I really want you to just kind of shout it in your spirit today. Somebody say now. Now, he is the even now God. Even now, he's showing up in the midst of your pain. Even now, he's showing up in the midst of your depression. Even now, I know the devil has tried to keep you at the graveside for a long time, and it, but I believe today, let's bring all of our disappointment, all of our dysfunction at the feet of Jesus, and we believe today that even now, he can still do miracles upon miracles in your life. Even now, he's showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus today. Even now, he's an even now God. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, you're missing the point. You're looking for an event, Martha. You're looking for me to just do, but you're forgetting that I am. I am the resurrection and the life. You keep trying to prove my presence by what I do, but I want you to truly see who I am. You're missing the point. And so Martha leaves Jesus and she goes and gets her sister Mary. And Mary comes and falls at the feet of Jesus. And she begins to weep. And on her way, Jews began to follow her, the people that had come from the villages locally that were giving them comfort, you know, cooking them meals, all this stuff you know, when you lose someone. And so they began to come too. And I love in verse 33 is that Jesus saw them coming and it says, so he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. I think it's crazy and really encouraging at the same time for each of us today that when Jesus saw Mary's pain, he participated in it. The Lazarus effect is not only that God gives miracles in desperation. The Lazarus effect says that he is with us in the pain of our disappointment as well. Jesus participates in my pain, but also propels me into my purpose. And so he asked Martha, do you believe? Do you believe that I am who I say that I am? And then he asked Mary for a location. Where did you lay him? I propose to you today that Jesus is asking you that same question. Where did you bury your disappointment? Where where did you bury your faltered expectations? Where did you bury the business that you closed prematurely? Where did you bury your confidence? Where did you bury your shame? Where did you bury that you felt like you were not good enough? Take me to that place. Take me to the place that only I can see. And for all of us in this room today, we have hidden all the things from other people. And I came to tell you today, Jesus can only heal what you give to him. Jesus will only heal what you reveal to him. He will only come as far in your life as you allow him to come. 
But I came to tell somebody today, I came to tell that tomb in your life, that Lazarus in your life, because everybody in the room has a Lazarus. And I came to say that when he show up, when he shows up, everything has to change. Nothing can stay the same anymore. He can take the healing, the, the broken things in your life and piece them back together. He can take all the dead things in your life and raise them back to life. If your marriage is on the rock, all you got to do is speak the name of Jesus and he'll show up and do what only he can do in your life today. Oh, I'm thankful for the name. Jesus comes close. And as I close this message today, I want you to realize something, ladies and gentlemen. God could have spoken a word just where he was. He didn't have to come all the way to Bethany to visit them. He could have just spoken and it happened. Why did he come? Why was he delayed? Because he wants everyone under the sound of my voice to know today that I'm with you in your pain. I'm with you in your trouble. I'm with you in your time of need. I'm your ever-present help in the time of need. And I need you to realize something. That even if I don't show up, will you still believe in me? Even if I don't heal you, will you still speak to me? Even if I don't give you all the things you're asking for, am I enough for you? Everybody has a Lazarus. Verse 35, Jesus wept. I'm excited about that verse because not only can you go tell everybody on Facebook that you memorized the Bible verse today, but it's an identity for us this morning that Jesus identifies with our pain. How powerful that before he spoke the word, he wept. Before he demonstrates his authority, he demonstrates his empathy. He wants you to know that I'm with you while you're waiting for him. Even in your doubt, even in your fear, even in your brokenness, I'm with you. I'm with you. So verse 38, Jesus comes and he's moved by the spirit and what's happening in the moment. He tells Mary and Martha, show me where you laid him. And there's a stone that is over the tomb of Lazarus. And my prayer is that if that's your heart today, that you have put a stone in front of your disappointment and your dysfunction. God is wanting you to roll that away today. Because when you roll the stone away, he can make entry and heal those things in your life you want nobody else to know about. And Martha was so convinced and so concerned about the stench and all the stuff that was going on in the grave. He had been dead for four days. Bodies start decomposing and all the stuff starts happening in that moment. And so she tries to hide the very thing that Jesus came to heal. And she says, Jesus, you don't want to see any of that. You don't want to smell any of that. You don't want to do, deal with any of those things. And so Martha just begins to excuse Jesus from the environment. But 
Jesus presses forward. And he says in verse 41, and I need somebody in this room to get ready to praise him. He says, Father, I thank you today that you hear me. Father, I thank you that when I call upon your name, you hear my voice. And I know that you always hear me, but I said it for them so that they may believe, that they may believe that I sent you through what you're going through for a reason. And when he had said this, something miraculous began to happen. He spoke and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out of that grave. Disappointment, come out of that grave. Dysfunction, come out of that grave. The things that you're hiding from me, come out of that grave. And I came to tell somebody, those things come to life in Jesus' name. Oh, I thank you for Jesus. If it had not been for Jesus, where would we be? If it had not been for the good news that saves me and raises me from the dead, where would I be today without Jesus? And ladies and gentlemen, a church can't save anybody. A pastor can't preach a good sermon to heal anybody. But ladies and gentlemen, with the name above all names shows up, the King of Kings shows up, there is nothing impossible for our God to accomplish. Come out. Come out, Lazarus. Everybody has a Lazarus. And I want to tell you before I pray, pop quiz. Who was it, who was it that went to the grave, the tomb, when Jesus resurrected? Who was the first one? Why? Because Mary had experienced the same resurrection that she came to believe today. The first tomb she visited had her tears and all of her sorrow, all of her shame, but this new tomb that she witnessed had the life and the purpose and the power to change all things. And when he rises up, the, the Savior was buried, but the King arose. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today, and there's nothing too impossible for him today. Don't hide it anymore. Roll the stone away and give it all to God. Can you join with me in prayer this morning? Father, I thank you today that there is nothing impossible for you. God, that you are who you say you are. And Lord, I thank you today by the Spirit of God in this room today, God, that we're raising all of our Lazaruses to come forth in our life. God, I know that you're calling us by name as you did Lazarus because if you would have just said, come on out of that grave, the whole graveside would have rose up and started singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But you're claiming us by name today and you're calling us out. You're calling us forth into our destiny, into our purpose, into all the things that we've hidden from you. God, we ask that you do right now in this moment and you begin to heal, you begin to touch. And you began to bring to life all the things that have been dead. Lord, we speak by faith today that hope is rising. God, the same grave that you conquered is the same grave that you want to conquer today in our life. Lord, we thank you today 
that you are who you say you are. And we give you all the praise and the glory. And we celebrate you. We give it all back to you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.